This is Fire Rescue One Side Alpha Podcast, putting fire service leaders in front of hot topics facing firefighters today. Now here's the executive editor of FireRescueOne.com and FireChief.com, Chief Mark Bashore. Welcome to this edition of the Side Alpha Solarcast. Today it's just you and me. We're going to talk a bit about the latest million square foot distribution center fire. But first, a word from our sponsor. This episode of the Side Alpha Podcast is brought to you by Lexapol. The experts in policy, training, wellness support, and grants assistance for first responders and government leaders. To learn more, visit Lexipol.com. That's L-E-X-I-P-O-L.com. Allow me first to make it known that I am 100% in favor of fire sprinkler systems and have long advocated for residential sprinkler installations. I'm proud to have been part of the first jurisdiction in the United States, that's the Prince George's County, Maryland Fire and EMS Department, to require residential sprinklers in all new construction as far back as 1992. But today I want to talk to you a bit about our more regular or old sprinkler systems. What do we know and what do we not know about the sprinkler buildings in your first due, your response area, or your adjacent response areas and their sprinkler buildings, your mutual aid areas. There have been several significant commercial warehouse fires recently in fully sprinklered, non-combustible warehouse occupancies. It reminds me of a discussion with an elected official a couple years ago, an elected official who also happened to be a builder. He said to me, and I quote, Mark, I will not support sprinklers in metal buildings. These sprinkler systems and steel buildings are really a waste of money. What's going to burn? Well, no amount of verbiage I could give him would convince him otherwise, but maybe some video will help. We'll put some links to the recent Indiana Walmart distribution facility fire in our show notes. The problem I have now is, in this case, seems like he's right. The sprinkler system seems like a waste of money. The Indiana facility is just the latest in a string. This one, a 1.2 million square foot warehouse. 1.2 million square feet. That's roughly the equivalent of 21 football fields. Now, I've been responsible for the fire and EMS protection at an NFL football field. I know how long it takes to prepare for and ensure protection systems are in place every day. Now, multiply that by 21 times to understand the scope and scale of that distribution center size. The Indiana Distribution Center fire is too fresh to have reliable cause information. However, the local fire chief reports firefighters arrived within three minutes of notification. And the pictures of towering columns of smoke tell most of the rest of the story. Chief Brent Anderson is quoted as saying that they attempted an interior attack, but were unable to control the volume of fire they were confronted with, and they backed out. In what should be a fully sprinklered building. Tentative information indicates all 1,000 employees were able to get out unharmed. 
there was a mayday call during the firefight. However, Chief Anderson reports the mayday was canceled pretty quickly as those firefighters were found safe. When we look beyond Indiana, we see the fatal QVC distribution center fire in North Carolina in December of 2021, just a short three months ago. Another 1.2 million square foot building in a fully sprinklered occupancy where one employee died. That fire was declared by North Carolina officials as the, and I quote, largest structure fire in the history of North Carolina. Now, just for context, North Carolina was admitted to the Union in 1789. And then there's the June 2020 600,000 square foot Amazon distribution warehouse, another fully sprinkled warehouse, and yet another 800,000 square foot Amazon distribution warehouse in 2018, both in California. And the Fishkill, New York 2016 Gap Warehouse, a million square feet. I could go on and on. Of course, it's important to recognize that these don't even touch on the hundreds of fires you're running every day in other smaller sprinklered and non-sprinklered buildings. We only have to look at the Charleston Super Sopa fire to understand how devastating these large expanse and deeply stocked building fires can be. But are these fires simply discussion about sprinklers? No way. Before we go there, let's hear a word from our sponsor. Lexapol empowers first responders and public servants to best meet the needs of their residents safely and responsibly. Serving more than 2 million public safety and government professionals and over 8,000 agencies and municipalities, Lexapol offers a range of solutions that include policies, training, behavioral health resources, news and analysis, and grant assistance services for law enforcement, fire and rescue, EMS, local government, and other agencies dedicated to public safety. To learn more, visit Lexipol.com. That's L-E-X-I-P-O-L dot com. We talk about these fires a lot, and we've written about many of them. A link to the rapid response for the Indiana fire is included in the show notes, and we'll also include a link in our show notes to the 2020 article about firefighting and warehouse fires that was penned by Chris Delbello. As we continue to talk about this current spat of fires, let's be clear. Fire protection systems are not simply about sprinkler installations. Frankly, the sprinkler system is the last resort, right? Smoke alarms, heat sensors, quarter closures, fire doors, portable fire extinguishers, alerting systems, inspections, pre-planning, permitting. A lot goes into the fire protection systems in buildings of any size. It's not just about sprinklers. So what's the root issue here? Well, I'll offer two suggestions. First, I'll suggest it's time for our fire protection engineers to reconsider the data used to satisfy code compliance. Is it time to strengthen code requirements that may have been watered down by political influences over the years? Well, in answering that, I suspect the answer is simply yes. However, I will fully acknowledge that this is well beyond you and I in a podcast. The second root issue of today, I'll suggest, has been a convenient excuse, and that's COVID. An excuse that many departments have been using, whether forced or in some level of reality, 
to not conduct routine fire inspections, pre-plans, and site visits for the past two years. I don't know if that's been the case here, but I do know that there's two and a half million square feet of warehouse space that's been flattened recently by fire. There's nearly 1,500 people out of work and communities are suffering and we need to do what we can to keep these things from happening. Hopefully, your fire prevention staff, fire marshal, or other responsible party is on top of all of this. But let's not leave that to happenstance either. If you're in a position to work with your local contractors, warehouse supervisors, developers, whomever might have a stake, please share the NFPA New Warehouse Fact Sheet. We're including a copy of that in our show notes. It's critical that we not only take the time to evaluate the causes of these fires, but also to examine the responses and decision-making processes of the fire departments. We will depend on the fire departments sharing their safety reports. In the meantime, take this opportunity to up your game. Get involved. Make sure you're out of that COVID fog and back into the pre-planning and fire prevention mode we desperately need to support. That's all we have time for today. Let me know what you think. And thanks for joining me here on this SoloCast. This is Mark Bashore, Executive Editor for FireRescueOne.com and FireChief.com. Have a great day on purpose. Keep safe, stay smart, and take care.